If you have your Bibles, electronic devices, and you'd like to follow along, you can click to or turn to 2 Samuel chapter 16, 2 Samuel chapter 19. And both of these chapters have, have something towards this story. One is, one is we'll start out in the story and then how it ended up. And so we're finishing this series on the book of David. And so this, this morning, I have, like, I have like a one word, just a one word sermon title, which is this, Forgiveness. Now, there's, there's a lot of things that I, I played around with. What should the title be? Forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness is difficult. Forgiveness is, 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 just, is, is something that we, just, we continually have to do. But, it, but, it, but, it, but I think that we could all agree that if we're in this room or watching online, whatever, and you've ever had to forgive, then you know forgiveness is difficult, right? If we're just honest. Forgiveness is difficult. Forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness, sometimes we misunderstand. So, so I want to talk to you in a real way about this issue of forgiveness. And we're just going to kind of keep it real this morning as we walk through David's life. We pick up the story in David's life where he's at this point where he has to forgive this guy Shimei. It's at the lowest point of David's life. It's at the lowest point of his leadership. And so David has to forgive this guy so that, so that he could move on. And so this is something that is inherent and important to the Christian life, right? I mean, Jesus in the Lord's Prayer, Luke 11. In chapter 4, we, we pray this prayer uh, many times, is forgive us of our debts, forgive us of our sins, as we forgive those who have sinned against us, if we are forgive those who have hurt us. And so when you look at this, you realize that God wanted us to, to, to understand this issue of forgiveness, but, but how can we pray the Lord's Prayer? How can we pray that verse, forgive us of our sins, forgive us of our debts, as we forgive those who have sinned against us? How do we apply that verse in our life? When we have unforgiveness, when we may be harboring some resentment towards a spouse, a former spouse, a friend, a relationship, a coworker, a parent, a father, a mother, someone who has hurt us deeply. I mean, do we really, when we pray that prayer, do we really want God to forgive us the way that in which we forgive others? How about if someone's cheated you out of money or someone's slandered you or someone's hurt you deeply, someone's talked about you, someone's said some things that have hurt you deeply, cost you some friendships, cost you some relationships, how can we pray that prayer? Father, forgive us as we forgive those who have sinned against us. I'm, I'm here to tell you this morning, and you, and you probably already know this, unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness, it will destroy you. It will not only destroy you, but it will destroy the relationships around you, the relationships in your life. If unforgiveness and resentment in your life or my life goes unchecked, it will hurt you. In fact, is Job, I mean, it's kind of amazing. We think of Job as this guy that suffered, but there's a lot that he wrote about this issue of resentment and bitterness and forgiveness. Let me give you a few verses. Job chapter 5, verse 2, it says, for anger kills a fool and jealousy slays the gullible. So now he's talking about this issue of anger. Anger, just so we're clear this morning, anger is not a primary emotion. It's a secondary emotion. There is something that drives, when you get angry, there's something that drives your anger. It can be unforgiveness. It can be resentment. It can be bitterness. But anger is not a primary emotion. It is a secondary emotion. There is something in your life that drives anger. Here's another one, Job 18.4. You tear yourself in anger. Should the earth be abandoned on your account or a rock be removed from its place? And then, then here's one, Job chapter 36, 13. I mean, it's just, well, let's just read it. Those who, are, those who have a godless heart harbor anger 
Even when God binds them, they do not cry for help. Here's, what, here's the person that Job's describing. That person is carrying unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness, and anger, and all those other things. Even when it costs them some things, even when there's some negative con- uh, 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 consequences in their life, and it's like God is constraining them, God is binding them, even then they don't cry out for help. Even then they don't like, like, like release the forgiveness or release the, the, the resentment. In the New Testament, the writer of Hebrews encourages this. Hebrews 12, 15, make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up, causing trouble and defiling many. So all of a sudden, the writer of Hebrews says, the problem with this resentment, the problem with this unforgiveness, when you bring it into a relationship, when you bring it into a situation, it is going to grow up in the family. It is going to grow up in the relationship, and it's going to hurt people. It's going to defile many. I mean, there's people, right, that pass this on from generation to generation of how we handle conflict, how we handle relationship, how we handle unforgiveness or anger. When you look at this, the best way that I can like describe this in a way that we can understand is holding on to unforgiveness, holding on to like resentment in your life is like grasping a hot coal in your hand with the intention of throwing it at somebody else when the time is right, when you can hurt them the most. Meanwhile, it's like burning your hand. This is what Job was describing in here about even when God binds them, even when God constrains them, they don't cry out for help. They don't release the anger. When you look at this issue of forgiveness, forgiveness or unforgiveness can destroy you. And so we're going to look at a time, a moment in time in David's life. It's at the lowest point, and he has to forgive. He has to release this resentment. And there's so much that we can learn from this. Because see, David, David, remember, David was a man after God's own heart. Doesn't mean that he was perfect. Doesn't mean that he was out sin. But he had a desire, had a desire to follow God. Fact is, we're going to see this over and over in this story. God's voice was a lot louder in David's life than the voices of his friends, the voices of the people around him. And so let's look at it. So I got four things this, I got four things this morning, and we'll get through them together and, and uh, quickly. And so first one is this, is you got to refuse to retaliate after being unfairly treated. You have to refuse to retaliate after being unfairly treated. The reason that I use the word refuse, because there is intention. There is a discipline. It is something that you have to do with it. You have to to refuse. I mean, it's something that you have to do. So we pick up the story, 2 Samuel chapter 16, 5, and here's what it says. When King David got to Berhurim, a man belonging to the family of the house of Saul was just coming out. His name was Shimei. You're going to hear about this guy a lot. Shimei, son of Gera, and he was yelling and curse, yelling curses as he approached. So now Shimei is attacking David at the lowest point of David's life. Remember a couple of weeks ago when I was with you last, we look at David and Absalom. Absalom, remember, had a, had a rebellion going on. He was going to take his dad out. He was going to take the throne. David makes the decision, right? David makes the decision, didn't want anything to happen to his son, so he gets his men and says, you know what, we're just going to leave. We're going to leave the city to, 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 to Absalom. So David and his men pick up, uh, pack up, they're headed out, and all of a sudden there's this guy, Shimei, at the gates at Jerusalem, and he's yelling curses at David along the road. Uh, along the road. And here's the crazy thing, and just a little bit of the backstory between Shimei and David Shimei was still harboring unforgiveness, resentment towards David, something that happened about 20 years ago. 
He's still carrying it. He is still upset that David is the king. You see, Shimei didn't think it should be David. Shimei thought it should be a relative of Saul. Here's just the the root issue. That when, when, when David became king, Shimei lost. He lost a lot of power. And he lost a lot of influence. And so now, now Shimei is mad at David when we all know what? David didn't take the throne. It was given to him. Who gave it to him? It was God. I mean, this was God's will in his life. And yet Shimei is angry about this whole deal. And so David's leaving the city. He's out in the, in, in the public gates. And, 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 and so it's, it's, it's public, right? And he's yelling curses at him. And he's throwing stones at him. And so, it, listen, if, you, if you've ever... If you've ever been the victim of verbal or physical abuse, you know it's hard to forgive. Should be honest. You know it's hard not to be bitter. You know it's hard not to be resentful. And now you got this Shimei guy doing this publicly, verse 6. So he threw stones at David and at the royal servants. So now his men are taking shots, the people that are leaving, leading with David. And so he says, he said, through stones of the servants, the people and the warriors on David's right and his left. So this is a situation where David didn't feel like he could fight back. He just has to like take it like a man, right? But he's with his men, the people that are under his leadership that he's leading with. It's like his, it's like his, 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 his staff, if you will. And so he has men on the right, he has men on the left, and now the men are taking shots. They're taking stones because of David's decision. And when we read the text, we realize that not all the men agreed with David. A lot of the men said, we need to take Shimei. You know what? We, just, we need to take Absalom out. We don't need to leave. And so now they're, now they're leave, leaving, and Shimei publicly is questioning. Let's just understand that. He is questioning David's manhood. And that is tough to take when you're a man. In front of everybody, his buddies, his friends, the people that he led, and Shimei is falsely accusing David in an area where he are. This is so important. He's falsely accusing David in an area where David already feels failure, sensitive of some feelings, and maybe even some guilt. Verse 7. So Shimei, as he cursed, get out, get out, you men of bloodshed, you wicked man. And so Shimei is accusing David of overthrowing Saul, taking the throne when he shouldn't have, and, and when you look at this, he, when you look at this, he's, um, it's just totally untrue. Let's just back up. Remember when a couple of weeks ago we looked at this and, and David had promised, he had promised to, uh, to Jonathan that when I, when I take the throne, I'm not going to kill any of Saul's family members. Because typically what happened when a new king took over, that he killed all the family members of the previous king so there wouldn't be a revolt and there wouldn't be a, a rebe- rebellion. Jonathan knew that. So Jonathan said, would you promise? He promised. Remember, we looked at that. He saved Mephibosheth, and he brought him in, one of Saul's grandsons. But, but here's what happened in the battle. There's a lot of discussion about this, but in the battle, one of Saul's grandsons, and we believe that, the war, that David's men did not know that, but one of, one of the warriors, one of the men in the heat of battle took the life of one of Saul's grandsons. David had asked his men, do not do that, right? He told them, do not do that. I made this promise. All of Saul's grandsons, everybody lives. When David found out about it, it says that he mourned and he regretted it. So now Shimei is accusing David of some harsh stuff. See, it's hard. Let's just, isn't it really hard to take when you're attacked in an area 
where you already feel some guilt. When you already have some shame. When you already feel like, hey, I was kind of a failure, even though it wasn't David that did that. Isn't it hard to take, for instance, you, you, you raise your children right and you raise them in church and you do devotionals and you bring them to church, you send them to Christian camps and all of that other stuff, and then all of a sudden they walk away from the faith or they, or, or, or they, or they rebel, and then someone stops you and says, hey, if you had been a better parent, they wouldn't have turned out like that, right? And you already felt some guilt. You already felt a sense of failure. It is harder, listen, it is harder to take when someone kicks you when you're down, right? And sometimes those people that kick you while you're down, they can be your friends. This is what happened in this, this situation. It's hard not to be resentful when all of a sudden somebody attacks you in an area where you already feel some disappointment. You already have some shame. You already feel like, you know what, maybe I could have done more. And Shimei is, Shimei is accusing David in an area where he already feels sensitive. Listen, Shimei, this is like just for free this morning. There's just so much in this text. Shimei is glad David's having problems. One of the signs that you and I know that we have not forgiven someone, we're carrying resentment towards someone, is when someone goes through hard times and we're glad. What goes around comes around. Finally, I'm finally glad they're getting what's due them. I'm finally the glad that God is... Listen, if that is you, you, you probably still have forgiveness and, 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 and resentment in your life. If you look at someone and you're glad. Verse 8. Shimei is still talking. The Lord has paid you back. Man, this is just harsh. Don't you like it when people use the God card to criticize you or to, to shame you or to use guilt? The Lord has paid you back for all the bloodshed of the house of Saul in whose place you became king. And the Lord has handed the kingdom over to your son Absalom Look, you're in trouble because you're a man of bloodshed. Words hurt. Right? Labels destroy. There's a difference between words that hurt and labels that destroy. That's one of the reasons, kind of subtle in Scripture, I try to call it out whenever we see it, when it's in the Old Testament and the New Testament. There's a lot of times when, when people turn their life around, they become a Christian, right? And God would like give them a new name. You were once called this. Now you'll be called this. You'll get a new name. Why? He was saying your new identity in following me, your new identity in Christ, you're no longer that person. The old is gone. The new has come. Right? But labels, labels destroy. Maybe you were labeled as a kid by a parent, by someone in authority over you, a coach, a teacher, supervisor, a friend. You're stupid. You're an idiot. You're fat. You're ugly. You're not attractive. You'll never, listen, you'll never amount to anything in your life. You'll always, you'll always be a failure. See, labels, listen, if you have been labeled right, I know, I know men and women that are still trying to prove that the labels that they were given as a child are not true in their life. Labels, I'm just telling you this morning, I mean, this is, a, I mean, this is just some real stuff, right? Labels, labels destroy. And Shimei is, is taunting him, and he's telling him, he says, you're, you're a man of bloodshed. It's, not, it, it's, it's hard not to be resentful when someone, when you're already down, 
and you're already struggling, and someone comes along and kicks you while you're down, you know, like, I told you not to make that decision. I told you not to marry him. I told you not to marry her. I told you you would never make the team. I told you you're not very smart. I told you you'll never amount to anything. You should have known better. I mean, what were you thinking? I mean, what were you thinking? And so it's hard. And so, so how do you respond when someone attacks like your integrity or, or, or you? And so King David's soldiers, and so here's what his friends want him to His friends want him to retaliate, verse 9. Then Abishai, son of Zeruah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse the Lord, the king? Let me go over. I'll take him out. I'll remove his head. And David had the power and authority to do that. If, if David had wanted to, he could have allowed him. Nothing would have happened. No negative, negative consequences for David. Why? Because he was king. He had the right to do that. One of the advantages of leadership, you develop tough skin. My skin is a lot tougher than it was 26 years ago. Just being in ministry. And some people, listen, some people get so hurt so easy. At the, at the slightest neglect, they can carry resentment for life. You didn't call me back. You didn't respond to my text message. You know, I sneezed, and you didn't say, God bless you. You know, uh, but David, David understood that, guess what? People are, people are imperfect. There's not one righteous, not even one. So, so be careful. Don't put people on a pedestal. Listen, people aren't good or bad, what the Scripture says. People are sinners, and we can be deeply flawed people. See, this is what makes marriage so difficult, right? People are already always looking for, like, the happily ever after story, right? And just so we're tracking this morning, you know that's a myth, right? The happily ever after story, that is a myth. You know how I know that? Have you ever seen Cinderella 2? <laughs> no. We don't, know, we don't want to know how it ends, right? We just want to know that they lived happily ever after. Marriage can be difficult. Why? Because it's two deeply flawed people coming together, trying to have this blissful relationship and, and all of those other things. It's just problem-free. One of my favorite Dear Happy articles, it was just, I, I clipped it years ago, and a lady wrote in and says, hey, I'm 44 years old, and I would like to meet a man with no bad habits. <laughs> you know what Dear Abby said? So would I. And I just tell you this, courtship conceals what marriage reveals. Courtship conceals what marriage like reveals. We'll just move on. <laughs> Here's the second thing about forgiveness. Understand that forgiveness is for your sake, not theirs. That's the reason I believe, just talking to people, that's the reason I believe a lot of people don't forgive. Because they believe it's like letting the other person off the hook. It is like saying what they did to me is like, no big deal. didn't really hurt. There were no, no real consequences. Um, it is like blessing them. But listen, forgiveness is for the person harboring resentment. It's not for the other person. Forgiveness is one-sided. Reconciliation is two-sided. Just because you forgive with someone doesn't mean you have to reconcile with them. That's another thing. People confuse forgiveness and reconciliation. Forgiveness only takes one party. You're just releasing them you're surrendering your right to hurt them for how they hurt you. Reconciliation takes two. It means two people changing mutually. So just because you forgive someone doesn't mean there, listen, doesn't mean there's immediate reconciliation. I mean that you've, you've got that hot coal in, in your hand and, 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 it, and it's burning you and you think at the proper time I'm going to use this, what's well, destroying you? So we'll go on verse, verse, verse 10. 
So the king replied to son of Zura, so we, do we agree on anything? He's, he doesn't like his advice. He curses me this way because the Lord told him, curse David. Therefore, who can say, what did you do? Why did you do that? Then David said to Abishai and all of his servants, look, my own son, my own flesh and blood intends to take my life. How much more now this Benjamite? Leave him alone. Let him curse me. The Lord has told him to. Perhaps the Lord will see my affliction, restore goodness to me instead of Shimei's curses today. What's happening? David is now so depressed. He's so discouraged. Even though he did nothing wrong in this situation, you know what he's saying? I'm getting what I deserve. He's thinking, you know what? I did make some mistakes in parenting. There were some times I, I missed some ball games of Absalom. There were some times I didn't do devotionals with him. There were some times I, I reacted wrongly. And so all of a sudden, David is so depressed, he's so discouraged, he says, you know what, I'm getting what I deserve. God is like destroying me or, or, or punishing me. And maybe if I just take it like a man, he will bless me. Verse 13, so David and his men proceeded along the road as Shimei was going along the ridge of the hill opposite him. As Shimei went, he cursed David, threw stones at him. Look at this. And now what he's doing. And now he kicked up dust. And this guy's, this guy's going like crazy. He's totally out of control. See, that's why when there's unforgiveness and something is driving your anger, you can melt down to the, le le to the level of a kindergartner. You can say and do some stupid things. And so now this man is cursing at him. He's throwing rocks. And now he's to the point he's kicking dirt on him. Like that's, like that's going to hurt. You want to mess with someone's head that has hurt you, forgive them and move on. This is what's happening. David is just moving on. And Shimei is trying to distract him. And Shimei, and, and David's not having any of it. So David continue, continues to ignore Shimei. It was a huge expression of grace. And then three years later, Shimei and David meet again. So that's 2 Samuel chapter 19. That's why we're doing 2 Samuel 16. And then we're jumping to 2 Samuel 19. David decided to forgive Shimei. He left. David's armies eventually destroy uh, Absalom. David's coming back into Jerusalem uh, to take over the throne. He's back in power. So let's watch how this goes down. We'll get these last principles. Verse, verse 16, 2 Samuel chapter 19. Shimei, son of Gera, the Benjamite from Bahuram, uh, hurried down with the men of Judah to meet the king. You wouldn't want to be Shimei right now, right? It'd like be voting that person off the island and like in that reality TV show, voting someone off the island and now all of a sudden they come back in power. It'd be like, it'd be like a co-worker. You'd been really mean and judgmental and hurtful to them and now all of a sudden they're promoted to your boss and they, have, they now have power. So this is what's happening. So verse 18. They forded the Jordan to bring king's households across and to do whatever the king desired. When Shimei, son of Gera crossed the Jordan, he fell face down before the king and said to him, my Lord, he's kind of different now, right? Don't hold me guilty. Don't remember your servant's wrongdoing. On the day my Lord the king left Jerusalem, may the king not take it to heart. For your servant knows that I have sinned. But look, and so now he gets really superficial. <laughs> Today I'm the first one of the entire house of Joseph to come down and to meet my Lord the king. He's now begging for his life. Shimei knows. He's like, hey, this is upside down. I'm in trouble here. I mean, I'm in trouble. He says, please forgive me. So here's what David's advisor is telling, verse 21. I think this is one of the reasons David was a man after God's own heart. His, 
God's voice was stronger, God's word was stronger in his life than all the recommendations, what his friends were telling. Verse 21, Abishai, son of Zerah, asked him, shouldn't Shimei be put to death for this because he has cursed the Lord's anointed? And listen, let me just stop right here and say, listen, when you've been wronged by someone, there's always going to be a friend. There's always going to be a girlfriend. There's always going to be a buddy around you that says, take them out. Hurt them the same way they hurt you. Destroy them the same way they destroyed you. Write that email. Make it public. Make them pay. Take them for all they're worth. And so David ignores the counsel. Listen, forgiveness is surrendering your right to hurt someone who has hurt you. Verse, verse 22. So David answered, son of Zerah, do we agree on anything? Have you become my adversary today? Should any man be killed in Israel today? Am I not aware of that today? I am king over Israel. So the king said to Shimei. So he turns and he says, Shimei, you're not going to die. I'm not paying you back. And then the king gave him his oath. He made a promise not to kill him. The third principle is this. Forgiveness is understanding how much you have been forgiven. A book, and I believe it's out of print now, is David, Dr. David Samans wrote it many years ago, Healing Damaged Emotions. He was a Christian counselor. So the top reason for emotional immaturity, emotional instability with Christians in the church is failure to receive forgiveness from God and then the failure, the failure to forgive others. The failure to accept grace from God and extend grace to others. That's why Paul in Ephesians 4.32 says, And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. One of the keys to forgiveness is remembering how much God has forgiven you for. Maybe when Shimei confessed and said, I'm sorry, I've sinned against you, maybe. Maybe David remembered after he committed adultery, remember with Bathsheba? Psalm 50, 51, and, and he confessed his sin to the Lord, and he used some of that same language. Maybe David remembered, God forgave me up much. And I received it. So David didn't allow his men to retaliate. Romans in the New Testament says this in 12, 18, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That doesn't mean you will. But as far as it depends on you. Friends, do not avenge yourself. Instead, of leave room for God's wrath because it's written, vengeance belongs to me and I will repay, says the Lord. You may be 100% right in the situation. But it's not your job to even ever score. It's your job to, Psalm 62, pour out your hearts to God and allow him to, even, allow him to deal with it. It's liberating. Listen, I'm telling you, it is liberating when you can release yourself of forgiveness and resentment and bitterness. Because when you try to even the score, God pulls his hands off. He has to now deal with you, and he deals with them. That's why the scripture says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Bless those who persecute you. Romans 12, 14 says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Here's the, here's the crazy thing of this story. Listen, we've been tracking in this story for like, like, like 25 minutes so far. And, and we're not standing around like applauding Shimei. What a great person he was. He's just awesome. Look at Shimei. We need to apply those principles. No. You know who we're applauding? We're applauding David. Be big enough to forgive. The heroes of our life are those that are willing to rise above it, that those are willing to forgive.
Those are the ones that God can use. The fourth and the last thing, and listen, I'm telling you, I could end this message right here, put a little bow on it, but it wouldn't totally be real. So this morning, let's just keep it real, and let's press in, and let's get this, this, this fourth principle, because I think it has some insights here. I've got to go all the way over to 1 Kings chapter 2, but let me give you the principle, and then we'll back through it. Forgiveness is not a one-time event. It's an ongoing process. It's not forgive and forget. Maybe for some small things, right? I'm talking about the big stuff. Forgiveness is not a one-time event. When you have been deeply forgiven, you may have to forgive that person over and over. Every time their name comes up, every time, it could be every time they walk into the room, every time you see them. Listen, forgiveness is not a one-time event. I got it down. I'm moving on. It's an ongoing process. So David, many years later, David's on his deathbed. Solomon has become king, his son, and so David has some words to share with Solomon. Watch what he shares. So insightful. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 8. Keep an eye on Shimei, son of Gera. David hasn't forgotten the Benjamite from Bahurim who is with you. He uttered malicious curses against me that day. So David, is, he's on his deathbed. He still remembers. He's still struggling with it. But he came down to meet me in the Jordan River. And I swore to him by that day, I will never kill you by the sword. So don't let him go unpunished. For you are a wise man. Solomon, you know how to do this. You know how to deal with, with him to bring his gray hair down to, sh to shield with blood. What happened? On his deathbed, David's getting even. It's like, that, it's like that woman who put on her husband's tombstone, rest in peace till I get there. I mean, <laughs> some people just don't let things go, right? <laughs> Solomon, I may have promised not to kill him, but you didn't. You know how to take care of the situation. This tells me time does not heal all wounds. Sometimes time can make wounds fester and infect them with unforgiveness, bitterness, and resentment. Forgiveness is not a one-time thing. So Solomon didn't execute Shimei, just so you know. Solomon put Shimei under house arrest. It's amazing. Back to this principle, but... The only way you can forgive is understand the forgiveness that has been given to you. They put him under house arrest. He had two servants three years later. His servants, they had an issue in the house. Shimei wouldn't forgive them. So the, the servants took off running. They fleed the house. When they got outside the gates of Jerusalem, they broke house arrest. Shimei chased after them. And when he chased after them, he broke house arrest. And that's when Solomon had him put to death. Forgive me my sins as I forgive others who have sinned against me. So I'm going to close with a, with a story. And, and you may think this is a, a preacher story and it's kind of cheesy and I get that, I understand that, but I happen to know it's true. Um, this last week, I, was, I, was in, I spent the week in San Antonio, Texas. I was invited by Future Church. They took 30 what they would deem as influential pastors across the nation. They, they, they brought us all in. Uh, to, to San, Anto San Antonio, Texas, no social media, no public post, not even talking about who was there or whatever, just to pray together to talk about the future of the church. And it was a place where pastors got real and honest and just talked. So it was amazing. It was amazing five days. 
And so we had one of those pastors there with us that was like the healthy guy, right? That he ate healthy. He didn't eat the Tex-Mex. He didn't eat the barbecue. Uh, he didn't eat, and so he would eat healthy. And then we were standing in the, the old district of, of the Riverwalk, and unless you're familiar with San Antonio, that probably means nothing to you. And so, but it, it's a less traveled area. And so this guy would like go eat healthy food in the evenings, and then he would run, he would run the, uh, the river walk. And so one night he was running the river walk, and he came up on some people, and, and the, the pavement made a el- little bit of an elevation change. And so he looked up, and when he looked up, he tripped, and he like did a face plant into the concrete. When he showed up the next morning, it looks like he had been through a, a meat grinder. And so he did a face plant. He actually broke his nose. He broke some bones in his face. That's why you should not run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so, so he was totally unconscious. When he came to, there were a homeless couple standing over him. Nobody else stopped but this homeless couple. And they're taking care of him. Blood, he says, like, gushing out of his face. He said, you wouldn't believe how much blood comes out of your face. They dialed 911. Paramedics are arriving. They, you know, and the homeless couple, they'd set him up, and he pulled his AirPods out of his ear, and he says, they were covered in blood. My hands are covered in blood. All of a sudden, the homeless man looked at him and says, this is kind of weird. My wife and I, we've been asking God for a sign if God is real. And so my buddy goes, my buddy goes, you're not going to believe this. I'm a pastor. And their eyes got really big. And he goes, what? This might be a sign. And the paramedics are like getting him on the journey. journey. And and we had another friend that joined him. So we have witnesses to this whole story. And so so they're putting him on the gurney. He says, just like something out of the movie, all of a sudden the homeless guy says, hey, what could be the sign? What could be the sign that God's trying to show us? And my buddy says, I think it was God. I think it was God just gave me this. And so he said, I looked at him, and I got all of this blood just dripping off of my hands. And I said, you see this blood? It's human blood. It actually has no power. It's just normal, everyday human blood. But I'm here to tell you, God sent his one and only son to shed his blood for you. And in his blood, it has power. It has power to forgive you of every sin. It has power for you to walk in life. It has power for you. And so I would tell you that if you have never accepted him, recognize the blood that Jesus Christ has shared for you. And he said, as he said that, they slammed the doors and pulled off. We have no idea how the story ended. (laughs) I am here to tell you this morning there's power in his blood. There's power in his blood. And when we understand that there is power in his blood and we truly understand forgiveness in our life and understand how much he has forgiven us for, when we receive that, we're able to extend grace and forgiveness to others. And we don't hand down generation after generation, this is how you handle conflict, you just fight, you yell, you scream, pay them back for everything that they do, you understand what forgiveness is because we're believers. We're in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God simply means it's where God rules, just where God rules. This morning, I don't know your next step. I know every one of us in the room has a next step. Do you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?